Hello, folks. Uticast, episode number 14. Welcome back. Ah, it's good. Excited today, man. It is an exciting day today. Yeah, it's we got... an exciting day when it's podcast time. I get excited when I've we... I've come to enjoy it. It's always stressful for the hours leading up to it when we're prepping, but once we're actually here, feels good. Piece of cake. Feels good. Get Jordan loose. Carp. Jordan Carp from Adirondack Distilling Company is here today. Good man, great bourbon. Yeah, good times, man. Had a nice, long interview with him. Uh, so let's do it. Episode 14. We're here, folks. Good to see you. Finally listened to an episode last week. I had to like physically download SoundCloud yeah. on her phone. Yeah, and put it on because she doesn't understand. Right, right. Yeah, but uh, that's the first thing she said. Like thirty seconds in, she's like, "You can't see them. They're on the radio." So yeah, <laughs> it's nice to have you folks here with us. I feel like you're here with us. Um, I didn't go look at the blood moon last night, Kev. I didn't. I went outside to look at the blood moon for about ninety seconds, and <laughs> it was certainly there. People are talking about like it only happens once every 33 years. I feel like I see it look like that more or less all the time. <laughs> like, yeah. It seems like that happens a lot. I don't know. It's sad. Like I, I kept thinking to myself, I should go outside and look at this. And then I thought, nah, I'll just look at my Instagram feed in the morning because there'll oh. be 4,000 pictures of it. Of and varying degrees of quality. Yes. A billion of them. Lots of photos of the blood moon. And I got a great uh, a, a cacophony of images. There you so, go. There you go. Uh, Kev, I have... Um, I've been training at my job for almost four weeks. Now. Has it been four weeks? Almost four weeks. I've been Since training. episode 10 you've been yeah, training. Yeah, yeah. And I got to tell you, you would think that after four weeks of training, I would feel comfortable. Like the back of your hand. You like should be king of the world I'm by now. A fraud, Kev. I feel like a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> like a hard fraud. And I don't know if maybe, maybe the adults out there who are already in their adults, a hood with kids and real jobs... They can let me know. Maybe it just never gets better. Maybe you always feel like you're a fraud until it just sort of makes sense one day. Because mm-hmm. I'm sort of hoping that that's what happens. I, you, you would think at some point eventually you get the hang of it. I would hope so. It just makes me wonder, like, all the jobs I've ever had, like, when I started waiting tables, was I good at it? Probably not. But do you think it's just that, like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing? Or do you think it's just, oh, wow, I've never had something where I have this kind of responsibility to answer to in a job? Well, that's... That's definitely true. Right, you know, right. Um, you know, this job definitely impacts people in a much more <laughs> important much way. Much more direct way, yeah. Yeah, then may I take your order or the registrar's office is that way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, and I'm just hoping that as as I get, you know, more and more work thrown on my plate, I'll, I'll just figure it out, right? right. <laughs> it seems like make, a really... Make it till you make it. It seems like a really bad method of getting things done, though, like just... Just, I guess, diving it in, right? That's, hey, they hired you. Know. That's not your business. Yeah, it's true. They hired me. Shout me out, adults. Let me know what you think. You actually started your first day at your new job. I, today was my very first day of my brand Congratulations, new job. Congratulations. It man. was awesome. It was a very good day. Um, it's You know what, though? I can kind of identify a little bit with, with the feeling of the fraud because everybody's like, oh, we're so happy to have you and you've got all these great ideas and we're so excited you're here. And I'm like, 
really? I don't really, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm like, this is my first day. They're like, well, thank God we have you. I'm like, I literally just got my desk half an hour ago. It's because we have, uh, we're charismatic individuals. Uh, allegedly. Allegedly. We've been told over the years. I think we wouldn't do the show if we didn't have at least some irrational confidence in our ability to be like charming, right? Fair. I think it's just reality. Uh, like I, this is any job I've ever gone into. I've always thought to myself, "All right, well, if I can get in front of somebody who does hiring, uh-huh. I can talk myself into a I job." Can, yeah, I believe yeah. that. I can pitch yeah. the case. You know, irrational confidence, maybe, but more often than not, that's how I've gotten any job I've ever gotten. You just yeah. sort of walk in and meet somebody and talk to them. And this job was much the same way. Once I walked in and sat down and talked to the people there. I could tell that they didn't think I was a creep or a weirdo. And sometimes when you come in with something like that and you're like, well, you know, my resume is not the strongest, but I feel like if I can get in to talk to somebody, I can make my case and they'll want to hire me this and that. But sometimes people get so impressed. You're like, who the hell else is coming in here and applying for these jobs (laughs) that I'm the savior riding on a white horse? Like, who else did you have in here? Um, I want to buffer the statement by saying that I think the people at StaffWorks do phenomenal work. And they did great work for me when I was They were very good to you. They were awesome to me as a temp. But let me tell you, I think when you are a temp, mm-hmm. the the expectations for temps are very low, right? I can imagine. If you get a temp at your job, what's your expectation? That person's not going to have any idea what they're doing. You hope right? they show up with pants on. Right. I'm like a, you know, this is not a humble brag. I, I, went, I got a college degree. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a professional guy. You're smart enough, well-read guy. A lot of temps didn't walk in the door having what I had. So people were super impressed with me as a temp. Is that... Am I a fraud in that scenario too? Like, oh, it, oh big fish in a small pond. I think in that scenario, huh? Huh? Very interesting. Hey, food for thought. Do you like fish? That's very <laughs> true. Um, let's. Uh, if we sound a little worn out, it might be because we had an excellent wedding this weekend. Oh man, what a um, good wedding! A uh, shout out to Aaron and Janae Bellardi. Ooh. How about that? Indeed. How about it? Indeed. Our dear friends Aaron and Janae had a wedding this weekend. They were at MKJ Farms in Deansboro, and it was that was a beautiful place Man. for a wedding. I've never been there for anything other than like music festivals from back in the day like, when yeah, Lance like died. A decade ago, yeah. yeah. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful venue. They did it was a great job. It was so the wedding, I said this to a lot of people that night too. The wedding was so them. It was mm. so perfect for them. Like from the ceremony to the reception. They had the Crazy Fools playing. The Crazy Fools always do a great job everywhere they go. Uh, all, oh, the, yeah. all the food was delicious. We had so many great friends there, so many wonderful people. That tortellini with the broccoli, though. The tortellini with the broccoli and the Alfredo sauce yeah. was next level. Was I did not solid. expect to get incredible Italian food in a barn in Deansboro. No. But lo and behold, um, 2015. What and, a time to be alive. And look, I'm a good friend, right? So I didn't ask Velarde at any point in time, man, how much money did this cost you? But for any, but, I feel like probably a lot. It's not it's irrelevant. It's not important. Velarde's got cash. He knows what he does with it. Uh, <laughs> the point is, I didn't ask how much it costs. So my assumption, looking around at the place, is they could charge whatever they want because yes. it's a really excellent, excellent venue. Well, and especially and, right now because uh, like barn weddings, weddings in barns, yeah. that sort of rustic oh, look man. is very popular right very now. Very cool. And somebody was telling me, with the exception of like some of the days closer to the edge of winter where it's yeah. colder. They're booked out at MKJ for like two years straight, I think. Oh, wow, really? Two solid years, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, and they deserve it. It's a, I've been to a lot of weddings, but I've never been to one at a place that was quite like that. Well, it was an excellent time. Indeed. Um, 
Hey, so after last week's big snub on the mailbag, we actually got people to write us stuff for the mailbag. This was week. it was it Cousin Joe again, or did no. we get some other people? No, Cousin Joe, he had, he had some stuff for me, but I told him I'd bump him off for a couple weeks. He can't Fair be enough. you know crowding the air. Um, but yes, yeah, so we're going to have some mailbag segment when we come back. So we'll be right back in just a minute. mail all sorts of mail um not a so, ton of mail but better than last week better than just cousin joe yeah and again thanks folks for for reaching out to us with these questions this is mm-hmm. these are all good i like all these questions a lot okay um and they're all just a couple i got a few of them here so uh let's start off with the first one okay uh and this question as i'm going to pull it up was from a reader who wanted to remain anonymous and i appreciate that when you call in and you want to remain anonymous that's how we do it we'll keep you anonymous we keep you anonymous uh, so let me pull up the question. This question pertains to our host, co-host, Aaron Higgins. The lovely Aaron Higgins. Yeah, lovely Aaron Higgins. The question was, is Aaron New Shoes Higgins a host, co-host, constant guest, live-in squatter who happens to wake up from her nap during recording hours, etc.? Good question from Anonymous. A uh, little little mix of all the things. A <laughs> little bit of a mix of all the things. Uh, look, um, I think the question comes up because there's always that weird segment at the beginning of the show where it's just you and me. Before right? she comes in, yeah. Right. The Uticast show will always be you and me and Aaron. Absolutely. That's the show. Mm-hmm. As long as Aaron wants to be on the show and gets here when she can, she's here every time she wants to be here. 100%. I love having her just on the show. Just as much of a host as either of us are. That being said, Aaron's not here this week. She is not she's here. She's very sick. Uh, so yeah, uh, but yeah, perfect no. timing on that question. Perfect timing that she's not here this week yeah. specifically. She's very sick, and it's going to make her feel bad that we talked about it this week. It was, it was a good, good short no. question to get us right. To it the was right, quick start question. I like it. Uh, but no, Aaron, Aaron uh, is always here. She is a host, just the way that we are. I, I don't like doing the show without her. I'm very angry right now. Can you tell? No, I can't. You don't seem right. that angry. All right. Uh, this question came to me uh, today as I was putting this show together. And this one actually is a little more of a question that I think you would have a better answer for, Kevin. Okay, what do we got? Uh, This person didn't say if they wanted to be named or not, so I'm going to assume they didn't want to be named. So this question is from S. Uh, S asks, do you guys keep up with local politics? And if you do, have you ever considered running for local office? (laughs) That's the question. (laughs) Uh, you, that's funny because I always, I always, I've joked for years now about running for office, and I always joke about, oh yeah, in eight years when I'm running for mayor, um, I try as hard as I can to keep up with local politics. I try to stay, try to stay abreast of what's going on. I mean, I don't dig it. I'm certainly not down at every common council meeting or anything like that, but I try to stay in tune to what's going on. Like I said, um, I think it was last week's episode. I think it's important to be engaged in your local process. I would be interested in running for office at a different time if I had the time. I mean, yeah. certainly at this point, I don't have the time. I don't have the money or the structure, but I would be happy to help if the people wanted to elect me to be in a position to help. I would love to accept the responsibility and take the job, and it's something that I think I've got in my back pocket for down the road. Don't be surprised if you see me when I get up you know, another 10, 12 years or something. Don't be surprised to see those Sullivan for whichever office you'll give him signs out in people's front lawns. <laughs> um, and I'll take any of comptroller, mayor, yo, comptroller. council, judge... You know, coroner, but that's last. Really don't want that one, but I'll take it. You know what I always wanted to be? It was a duke. A duke. 
I guess you can't do that here. You, you certainly cannot England. be a duke here. It'd be good to be a duke, though, with something, right? Duke of Sandwiches. I suppose that's a real guy. I want to be that guy. The Duke of Sandwiches uh, is why they name him Sandwiches, because the Duke loved the sandwiches. Well, I'm only like 50% sure that's right, but I think that's the case. Don't check it. It's real. Um, <laughs> nah, here's the thing. Uh, I We talked about it a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago, or last week, I forget, but I think local politics, to a, to a certain extent, are more important than national politics. Well, I think too, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Because you really, the effects you can have uh, locally are just, it's just greater. It's easier to reach out to more people at a closer mm-hmm. level, and it's easier to get down on the ground level and mm-hmm. be with the people who you're actually helping. Uh, that being said, I have never once at any point in time in my life ever wanted or aspired to political office. Like, the, like uh, so low on my list of things. The problem with political office, too, you have to be ready for them to start digging the skeletons oh, out of your closet. Yeah, no thanks. And I don't think that you want the skeletons dug out of your closet. Dude, I have a huge closet. <laughs> big closet. A <laughs> big, giant Very closet. opulent, large, walk-in closet full of skeletons. Uh, <laughs> every shape and size, color, variety. Uh, but no, I, I think it takes a special kind of person to, to have that ability to deflect it and be like sort of bulletproof to criticism and to stick yes. by your guns that way and I don't I don't and think somebody, I, it's got to be exhausting too somebody to put up with it I do think I could do that but I don't really want to right now unless the mailbaggers are calling for me to run <laughs> then in which case um, set up a campaign office tomorrow uh, <laughs> all right so yeah Kevin will indeed run for mayor one day you heard it here first I will never run for anything. I just want to be a professional wrestler. He just runs for fun. I only think he runs for he's a fun runner. Fun runner. (laughs) Um, And we got one more mailbag question. Uh, Again, another anonymous one. So let's say that this one's from, uh, let's call him Charlotte. Charlotte asks, do you think the proposed downtown Utica hospital is a good idea? Where else could it possibly go? Oh, man. Um, I've seen a lot of people, especially on the sewer that is Facebook, Oof. talking about, uh, you see a lot of angry commenters being like, I don't know why we'd put a hospital down there. We already have these ones we need. Why don't we fix the potholes first? So you'll, you'll notice in the city, that's the first thing. Anytime something good is going to happen for the area, people's first automatic response is, why don't they fix the potholes? Then potholes, we'll talk. man. They're everywhere. I got it. But <laughs> there's only, there's only so much that you can do. But yeah, I think the downtown hospital is a great idea. I think it would be another feather in the cap of an already burgeoning downtown. Uh-huh. I think the foot traffic would be incredible for the businesses down there. And I don't know if you saw the blocks that they're proposing oh, to yeah. put it on. Um, but I, you and me have talked about this separately guys. driving around town. That stretch of couple blocks on uh, whatever, I can't remember. Which it's, I have it written down here. It's, it's basically between state uh, and Broadway on one side. State right, Street, right. Broad Street. And then uh, Ariscone Street in Columbia. Columbia. Okay, yeah. Columbia Street's the one. On Columbia Street, that corner where Benji's Bar is, and then I think there's like the strip club, and then there's a bunch of empty buildings. Yeah. That stretch with those empty buildings Worst. is the ugliest, most oh. banged up, desolate, apocalyptic stretch of storefront in the entire city. It's brutal. If they want to yank out my least favorite block in the entire city to put a shiny new hospital, that's an incredible idea. So I'm all for it. I think, you know, when people say... Well, it's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to be a lot of things. That's true, but at, you you got to take the leaps sometimes. You know what I mean? You have to be progressive and forward-thinking if you want to make progress. Yeah. It's so funny because we've – and I'm not, I'm not trying to hit the point home too hard, but we have this conversation literally all the time. every time all we the drove. Time Before this proposed hospital mm-hmm. idea came around, we always were like, God, what would you be able to do to fix mm-hmm. this whole stretch because it's just brutal? 
Yeah. Um, and I saw, you know, some people made the point, well, it might make parking tougher for hockey games. And that, you know, that's that's a true thing. But by that same point. token, no, it is a terrible that's point. It's a terrible point. You try, you try to give equal prescience to everybody. But, like, I, the way that it goes, I, it's, it's a more important thing yeah. to have this state-of-the-art medical facility put in downtown. Just the fact that we have gotten to a point in this city where people want to take that much money they were talking about i think i read like 500 million dollars just the fact that somebody anybody wants to take 500 million dollars and park it in downtown utica should show how far we've come as a city and as downtown because that was not always the case as far as other places to put it um, they were talking. I heard their second choice. They were going to yeah. expand the St. Luke's campus. Yeah, the health center, which isn't campus. which isn't a bad spot. But I would much rather see it in Utica than in New Hartford for selfish reasons. Yep. Uh, past that, I had heard talk before of putting it over Murnane Field at Donovan Stadium, connecting with Faxton. My nostalgic Blue Sox fan self says that'd yeah. be a terrible idea, but realistically. We don't use that field. I got when I, I used to work for the Blue Sox, and I was uh-huh. like, uh, I remember that I was a bat boy for the Utica Blue Sox. And one of the facts that I heard about that stadium from all the players and all the groundskeepers is it's one of the worst stadiums. It's not even really a stadium. The field it's is bleachers terrible. with a field too. It's not like it's it's not like you're taking down like a, a real stadium. From a baseball's perspective, the center field mm-hmm. is a hill. So is, water yeah. drains mm-hmm. into left and right yeah, and yeah. it's just it's dangerous to play in. So it's not like it's this beautiful stadium that we're trying um, to save over. But Another place I heard people talking about putting it was the site of the old state hospital, Old Main there on Westboro Street, the old insane oh, yeah. asylum. They have, see, uh, they have a ton of land over there, yeah. a ton of space. Uh, I do think that would be another great spot. Selfishly, because I like old architecture and creepy buildings, yeah, I don't want them to ever great. tear down the big, scary main building. You used to get run out of there by cops all That the would be a very, very good spot, though. That would be a yeah. good spot to put it to, and I would definitely, I think that would be a good idea, and it would help probably pull that neighborhood up a little bit, and it would provide care closer to lower-income neighborhoods where maybe they can't, you know, drive all the way over to St. Luke's or all the way over to St. E's or something like that. So that would be a good spot, but I'm still, I'm all about downtown. I think it should be downtown. I think it's a great idea. I think anybody who doesn't see it as a not beam a light on the horizon and a big step forward for downtown, I think they just got to step back and look at the bigger picture. Well put, my friend. Is um, that it for mailbag? That's it for mailbag? mail. No, that's it for mail. Uh, great work, guys. Keep them coming. I yeah. love it. Don't forget, uticast at gmail.com. We'll take all your questions. We will keep you anonymous. Some Somebody told me. I was asking somebody about the mailbag this week. They were like, oh, I thought you guys wanted us to ask you questions about you. No. I'm like, you certainly can. Like, if you want to know what my favorite food is or what Sam's favorite color is or whatever else, I'd answer those. But uh, just anybody who wants something they want answered, want talked about, we'll take all your questions all the time. We'd be happy to hear from you. Green. My favorite color is green. That's not a mailbag question. You can only answer. No, No, I didn't ask. That was a theoretical question somebody might ask if they wanted to know. We were lucky enough today to have uh, Jordan Karp from Adirondack Distilling Company stop by the studio, and I had an excellent talk with him. Really mm-hmm. interesting guy, very passionate about his work, crazy, crazy knowledgeable. So yep. smart about uh, what, mm-hmm. he, what he does. And uh, we have a nice long interview with him. Let's, uh, let's do it, eh? Mm-hmm. I'm into it. All right. We'll be right back.
I think I'll tell you this just to make things uh, sure. a little easier. Yeah. Every Christmas, every Christmas, all my aunts and uncles, they get a bottle of the Adirondack <laughs> vodka. It's a good... It's appreciate a good, it. It's a good price point for a present <laughs> where people are like, what's this cheapo getting me a bottle of Fleischmann's off the bottom <laughs> shelf? Mr. Boston or <laughs> something? <laughs> Not there's anything wrong with Mr. Nothing Boston. Wrong with Mr. Boston. I have the Mr. Boston... Um, my mom found it when we were cleaning out uh, the old house. It's a Mr. Boston bartender's guide from oh, the yeah. 40s. I, I had one when I was in college. <laughs> uh, Jordan Carp, thank yes. you so much for coming onto the show. Thanks man. for having me. Uh, and you were here at Adirondack Distilling Company. Yep. Um, you've been there since 2011, that location. 2012 is when we opened. We yeah. bought the building in 2011. Mm. Uh, took a year, a little over a year to renovate. Yeah. Uh, if people remember, we're the old Metro building. Is oh, how yeah. Most people remember it. Most people have a not uh, PG-13 story from when oh, they yeah. went to the Metro. <laughs> oh, yes. Either involves uh, clothes coming off or, um, you know, um, having too much to drink and throwing up off the balcony. I've heard that a couple times. Those are not mutually exclusive. <laughs> no, I've exactly. Been, I've been to both of them. So uh, we had some cleanup to do in there. Uh, it took us a little bit over a year, uh, turned the building into, uh, you know, I'm, we're really proud to, of what it turned into. Uh, we won a Landmark Society Award, actually, for yeah. bringing it back to yes. life. So we're really proud of, of the work we've done in there. So we opened uh, November of 2012, so about two and a half years. Wow, two and a half years. It seems yeah. like it's been so much longer than that, too. Because, well, there are some days where yeah. it feels like 15 yeah. years, um, <laughs> So as, as most people in business can imagine. Um, you were not from the area. No. You were from Long Island, correct? Yeah, I went. Uh, I grew up on Long Island. I went to college in Boston. Lived in D.C. Oh, where'd you go to college, man? I went to Tufts University. Tufts, all right. T-U-F-T-S. T-U-F-T-S. Yeah. I love it. Better known as the Jumbos. The ju- is that We are the Jumbos <laughs> because P.T. Barnum was the original benefactor of the school. Really? Yeah. So we're See, the Jumbos. I learned something today. And all the schools in the NESCAC <laughs> have like the weirdest, uh, like, you know, the, the uh, Con College Camels. I mean, yeah. all, the, all the schools in NESCAC have the weirdest uh, uh, mascots. Oh, it, <laughs> yeah. my entire life, I went yeah. to MV. I yeah. went to... Proctor High School, Mohawk Valley Community College. Uh, I went to New York City and then came back. Yeah. Every school I've ever been, Hawks or Raiders. That's it. I there have no go. other choices. That's, that's it. pretty bland. It's pretty bland. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this, though. So yeah. you're, how did you get from Long Island in 2006 yep. to Utica in 2012? Well, I was uh, – I graduated in 2002 – I was in politics for a long time, and I got sent to Utica. Politics? I was, yeah. <laughs> really? uh, I was sent to Utica, yeah, to manage Mike Curie's first race for Congress in 2006. Hmm. And um, just love the area, frankly. The only time, you know, I, I've lived all over the country. I've lived in New Mexico. I've lived in D.C. I've lived in Manhattan. Um, nothing felt like home, yeah. uh, people-wise and sort of comfort-wise for me, than, than Utica. So after 2006, moved back to D.C., uh, had the idea for the distillery, um, emailed a buddy of mine and said, what do you think about making booze? And he said, that's a terrible, terrible idea. <laughs> and uh, he, he was, became one of the founders of as well. So, um, you know, uh, a lot of work went in between sort of idea to reality. Um, but it was a fun one. Like we had to go to whiskey school, which is pretty uh, super cool. I was going to ask you, that was yeah. the thing that really uh, I found most captivating yeah. is you went to college for politics. And history, you, actually, which is less oh, remarkable really? than anything. Hey, history yeah. major right here. <laughs> Onto college. Of, oh, I don't remember anymore. Oh, 13, 14, whatever. Uh, the point is, uh, it, yeah. it seems like you must have had this passion inside you at somewhere along well, the way. Like, I used to make mead in college, and mead yeah. is honey wine. Um, and so I used to make mead in college. So I've always had a sort of 
idea that I liked uh, the craft side of booze a little bit and, and making it. Yeah. Um, I was never good at brewing beer. I always screwed that up somehow. Um, but uh, but we made mead in college and we made our own labels and we made our own bottles. Like it was a super fun project that we did. So, um, y- you know, and I always like drinking craft stuff. Like when I was in college, you know, mm-hmm. I'd have my, you know, 40 Keystone Lights, but I'd also have like a magic hat. Yeah. yeah. Um, so <laughs> exactly. I always sort of like the craft side of, of things and, and especially beer. And, and I think the craft distilling side, we're about 20 years behind the brewery side. Yeah. Um, and we're sort of in the, in the growth. So, uh, you know, that always interested me is wh- why would I drink, uh, some, some big name brand when there's other cooler stuff out there? I was like that, that factor of it. Now, um, I want to say initially yeah. the only product was the vodka. Yeah. So vodka came out first for, uh, most craft distilleries start with vodka. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a particular reason why? Yeah, or, it's yeah. technically the easiest thing to make Te- okay. te- on, a, on a technical standpoint. Um, and, uh, it doesn't have to be aged, which obviously, helps. Right, so right. like bourbons and, and ryes and other whiskeys have to be aged. So it's the quickest thing sort of to get to market, to generate uh, cash flow for a company. Sure. So that's, that's why most distilleries start with vodka. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, can you talk a little bit about the Herkimer Diamonds thing? Because that's one of the things I hear sure. all the time. Yeah. The... So we filter the vodka through Herkimer Diamonds. We chill filter it. So, uh, the diamonds are, are, te- are, uh, uh, crystal, that we chill the vodka down to about 28 degrees Fahrenheit, and we just run them over the diamonds dozens and dozens of times yeah. uh, over about six hours, depending on how big the batch is. And it really cleans up the spirit really nicely. Um, you know, when we first started the company, we were like, oh, this is, you know, we can filter through a local company's mm-hmm. diamonds, and that's right. pretty cool, but is it going to make a difference? Probably not. But honestly, after tasting before and after, it really does clean up the spirit. I mean, that's it awesome. really does. It's really pretty cool. Um, that's really interesting too, because, uh, you guys start with the vodka yeah. and you've expanded outward to the yeah. four different, but right off the bat, did you know initially with the vodka? Cause I remember when the vodka came out, it was yeah. very popular. It was yes. hard to get a bottle of the vodka. We were sold out pretty much immediately. So did you know, did you have a moment like right off the bat when they were selling out immediately like, okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe there's something here to this. Well, um, yeah, but we also opened at a time at, Thanksgiving, Christmas, where you know sales every year are going to be really good. Um, And it's funny because if you talk to other people in the craft industry and the industry in general, everybody, almost everybody's New Year's resolution is I'm not going to drink anymore and I'm going to go to the gym. (laughs) So January and February, very few people drink. Um, and then, and there, you know, the gyms are also crowded in January and February for that reason. Not for me. I wouldn't know. Any <laughs> me neither. Uh, but you know, come uh, St. Patrick's day that all, that always ends. Uh, so you always have that sort of, uh, very slow period in January, and February. So we knew that we had a, a, you know, a nice, um, product on our hands. Um, only when we started gaining truly international award, uh, awards for it. We know we had something truly sort of special on our hands. Yeah, I actually had the um, – I, ha- I took a chance on Facebook today. I was reading yeah. through all the yeah. uh, awards that you guys have won for yeah. – not just for the vodka, but for all the yeah, various. Yeah, we've won – everything we make, we've won an award for. It's been pretty impressive, you know. Uh, well, and, you know, like a good chef, it's – we have good equipment, but honestly, it all comes from – you know, we have – uh, really good corn. We make everything out of corn. All the corn is local. Mm-hmm. So we make really good corn in upstate New York. And at the end of the day, you know, a bottle of vodka is 40% alcohol. means it's 60% water. And you get can't get better water in the world than, yeah, than upstate New York. So true. we sell fortified water at the end of the day is what, <laughs> is what we tell people. Um, now, I, I tasted the vodka many yeah. times. Uh, when I came back from New York, yeah. uh, one of the first events that I was involved in, not 
personally with the podcast, sure. but with people who I knew, was I went to the Catalyst uh, barbecue event that they did at Piggy Pass. Yep. Um, the local business barbecue. And uh, you folks had a stand set up there, and you had the other uh, the other spirits that you guys were pushing besides yep. the vodka. The Adirondack Gin, yep. uh, the 601 Bourbon, yep. and that White Whiskey. The White Whiskey, yeah. Uh, all of them have won awards. Yes. Uh, I have to personally tell you that White Whiskey is... Something else, though. That's it's, I'll tell you, that, that that is the biggest surprise also for us, is that most people, when they think of white whiskey, they think of rot gut moonshine. Yeah. And for us, we actually age it um, in an uncharred barrel, so it stays white, yeah. and we chill filter it. Um, and it's a really nice spirit. Honestly, it makes an awesome, like, summer uh, whiskey sour that doesn't have that smokiness. I was blown away. Yeah, thanks. And no, it's true, because I, am, I have always been, this is personal, I am a brown... <laughs> liquor guy i i i yeah. had of a gin and vodka period yeah. earlier in my life uh, and you eventually grow out of it well gin i still like gin just fine but i drank so much gin and tonic yeah. in uh in like high school and middle school once i was legal <laughs> to drink mind you that i honestly even now i can't uh have the taste as yeah. much for gin and tonic you guys have your own personal gin and tonic over at the distillery. It's not quite what people would assume, though. No, we have gin and tonic the cats. <laughs> They're very um, popular. They are very popular. They have their own Twitter account, uh, at Distillery Cats. Um, and the reason we have them is um, we uh, we have so much corn in our building that they keep the mice away. Yeah. Now, they haven't caught a single mouse because there are none because our old the building was a bank built in 1920. So we actually keep the corn in the old vault. So there's oh, wow. no, there's no really mice cool. coming in. So they just kind of eat and sleep all day. Um, pretty sweet. Besides the gin, yes, uh, and the white whiskey, yeah. there is the six hundred one bourbon. Is that the newest, or is the white whiskey the newest? No, the white whiskey came out first. The bourbon came out uh, June of last year, hmm. um, and that's obviously the toughest to make because it has to age and right. and all those reasons. So, yep, the six hundred one uh, bourbon is the latest. Well, that I see just won the silver medal at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Yeah, this that's year. the foremost uh, spirits competition in the U.S. Um, and it, uh, yeah, we were very, very happy with that uh, result. I don't know if you guys weren't. If, I don't know if it was just try one and then move on, but I definitely tried about four different <laughs> uh, drinks there. The the six hundred one bourbon is really something. Thank you again. It's one hundred percent corn, um, and by law, bourbon has to be fifty one percent corn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so other people fill it with wheat and rye and, and, and other things, but we, we made it hundred percent corn. So you're going to get some of that sort of sweetness from yeah. the corn and the vanilla flavors from the barrel. And, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty pleased with it. I don't know if this is too, uh, like inside distillery, if you inside will. Baseball. Uh, yeah, inside yeah. baseball here yeah. on it. Um, you know, you guys have a very high quality product, mm-hmm. um, but for a high quality product, you pay a certain price point, right? Sure. If you're going to buy a bottle of Glenlivet, you're going to pay more than you will for a bottle of House of Stewart's Scotch, sure. and they know that. Yes. Did you guys have to make a conscious effort of where your price point was going to be compared to the product you get? Uh, price is always um, a topic of discussion mm-hmm. for us. You know, on one hand, you don't want to make something so high priced that people won't try it. Right, and so generating uh, trial at retail uh, to get somebody to pick that bottle up and buy it once, and then they become a, their own little viral marketing machine for us because they'll say, "Wow, this is really good," and tell their friends about it. So you, we have to be conscious uh, about price at all times. Now, it, it, there's a sweet spot in the market between, you know, obviously we can't price ourselves too low because it takes us more money. Right to produce the product because it is a craft product. So, right. um, but there is a sweet spot in terms of generating consumer trial, 
um, and not selling ourselves too short either because th- there is a that you know we are in the craft market and there's there is value to that extra couple of dollars you're going to spend on a product there really is I did want to ask you that too yeah. uh, the craft beer world it seems yes. like has exploded yeah exploded have you noticed an uptick in craft spirits as well in we're, we're, tw- we're 20 years behind the craft yeah. brewing industry yeah. uh, and um, I mean there are a lot of people who you know they'll go for their big name brands and that's it and and mm. the market is moving more towards the craft side I think if you look at the growth of Tito's, for example, oh, yeah, which Tito's. is also 100% corn, just like ours. Mm. So, you know, less Smirnoff, although Smirnoff is the biggest uh, vodka producer in the world. Right. Between Smir, you know, you're they're losing market share. Grey Goose is losing market share. Sully's losing market mm. share to Tito's, which is quote unquote handcrafted in Texas, which right. I you can't see my face, but rolling my eyes, <laughs> it's not handcrafted in Texas, but that's okay. God bless Tito, honestly. <laughs> I uh, the first time I ever tried Tito's, yeah. I was in New York, and yeah. it was uh, wasn't anything they did. Yeah, it did not turn out to be a great night. That's my <laughs> own fault, though. Well, and Tito, I will tell you, the Tito's has changed. The flavor profile has changed throughout the years because he's now selling so much of it. The right. process has changed, yeah. and that's inevitable for something that's going to grow that fast. You guys have opened up a small location at the Destiny Center in yep. Syracuse. So one of the cool things about New York, and, and everyone can talk uh, smack about New York for some things, but they're actually great on some other things. Mm-hmm. New York has really recognized that the craft distilling, brewing, and winery industry helps grow the economy. And so what they've yeah. done is allow us to have what's called a branch uh, a branch office. So we obviously have the distillery and where we make everything and produce everything, and, and you can come in and buy a bottle and do a tour but we've also opened a retail location, a little kiosk in Destiny um, at the mall in Syracuse, which has awesome. been awesome for us to sort of, you can taste people while they're, you know, look, you know, if you're walking through Destiny or bored and you want a sip of bourbon, hey, Certainly just come, need come. one. Yeah, you sometimes. do. Sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you guys have expanded out with uh, brands. Yep. You've expanded out with locations. And there's more coming. I'll tell you, there's, yeah. there are things in the hopper. Yeah. I was going to say, the next five years, are you guys thinking about expanding further or next five, ten years? What's the, what's yeah. the plan? Man? So the plan is um, we don't want to be the, the company that does 55 things. Of course. We want to be the company that does six or seven things that are really good. Right. But I will tell you that in my mind, the, the innovators of spirits are the small producers. Like we just came out with a barrel aged, barrel aged gin just came out with it. Really? Yeah. So we have gin, we've got used bourbon barrels for bourbon. You can only use the barrel once. Yeah. So we stuck some gin in a barrel and said, let's see what happens. And we came out with a barrel aged gin. So, you know, you, you know, tankery is not going to do that. Um, you know, and so, we as small producers and, and we talk you know, I talk to other small producers around the state, you know, we're the ones driving innovation in terms of flavor profile, in terms of ingredients, in terms of process. And I think that, you know, David versus Goliath, you know, we're David in the situation, we can the sort of rules are off. We get to do whatever we want. If it's uh, if it doesn't work, well, who cares? We didn't make that much of it anyway. <laughs> we can, you know, take those chances and, right. and try to do cool things. And that's the that's the exciting part. The yeah. more chances you take, the right. better opportunity you have to find something no one can do. Yeah, about. like we've stuck bourbon yeah. in a pork barrel, and yeah. and we're like, well, we'll see what happens. You know, um, you guys have the uh, Locktoberfest, another one coming up on October third in Rome. Yeah, yeah. Um, where can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about? I saw Facebook. You guys are on Facebook, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, info at Adirondack Distilling comes right to my email. If you want to take a tour, like the process is really cool. I mean, most people have taken a brewery tour, and um, I will tell you that 
um, you know, a brewery tour and a distillery tour, you'll learn more in a day than, uh, than you may ever want to know, but it makes a really good uh, cocktail party conversation. Jordan Carp, Adirondack Distilling Company, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, sir. Thank you for having me. I have a face for uh, radio. So yes, that's, that's how I ended up here. <laughs> and you can follow Jordan on Twitter at ADK Distilling Co. Thank you so much, and we'll be right back with the rest of the show. Everybody who listens to the interview goes down to the Adam and Castillo because yeah. they really are. They're kind of a hidden gem down there. Barry. There's so much going on that I feel like sometimes they make it overlooked, but they make great stuff down there. No, uh, yeah, yeah. All the stuff we talked about, too, and like all the different flavors. I've tried all the stuff, and really that 601 bourbon, man. That's oh, the 601 bourbon that's stuff. That's stuff. Uh, so, no Higgins today. No. Uh, so, we called in a ringer, uh, and because he's here, I figured we'd give him a wrestling intro. So, here you go. <clears throat> This is my best uh, Howard Finkel, right? <laughs> Making his way to the arena. Weighing in at 110 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> at a stunning 5 foot 4. The queen of mean. <laughs> the king of swing. The heartbroke kid. Justin Parkinson. Yay. Wow, thank you. Nice. That was spot on, actually. That's good, right? I nailed my weight perfectly. <laughs> I can't believe it. Welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for sitting in, man. Um, I always wonder my next time will possibly be my last time with you hooligans, depending on how, how this goes. So. We'll see how it goes. He, he got <laughs> always, Justin, you know how it goes with me. I'm always this close to giving you the hook and pulling you off the air for good. Uh, well, if you weren't in the green room so much, like just all the time, yeah, hey, you know, it'd be yeah. harder to get rid of you. Yeah, I feel like that mailbag question could apply to to me as well. As like, I'm actually the person just sleeping on the couch. Like, yeah, you are. <laughs> Mr. Maiden Utica can always be found on the couch in the green room, dozing off. Uh, so we just had uh, Jordan Carp on, and we were talking a lot about booze, and it got me thinking about it because I said it on the episode, uh, in the interview to him. Uh, I'm a brown liquor guy, right? If I'm drinking booze, it's going to be yeah. brown liquor. So I came up with this real shorthand. My rankings, all right? So here's my booze rankings, Ooh. all right? Number one, scotch. Number two, whiskey. Number three, bourbon. Number four, gin. Five, tequila. Six, vodka. Come on. Let me hear it. What do you got for me? I put, I put rum in above tequila. Yes. Uh, whiskey and bourbon and scotch are all kinds of whiskey, so it's really like a, a subset of the whiskey power rankings. But other than that, I can't argue with you. Yeah. I don't like vodka. I do love whiskey in all of its glorious forms. Yes. I don't drink liquor. If anybody nope. knows anything about me, I do not. I, I rarely, rarely drink it to even have an opinion on it, to be completely honest with yeah. you. I'm uh, salty enough without the the extra booze. So I kind of, but no, seriously, yeah, like it's the it's the taste for me. I I couldn't even give you six. I mean, I'll drink yeah. damn near anything if someone's like insistent on a drink or buying a shot. Yeah, yeah. I have no preference whatsoever. I've never seen just, you when somebody's like, "Oh, do a shot with yep. me." I've always seen you. You're always polite, yeah. which is amazing. But you're always polite, and you're like, "Yeah, I'll take it." But no, you. Because when you drink liquor, it turns into a very specific kind of evening. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> it's funny you mention that because we never really talked about that. But now that you say it, I don't really think I've ever seen you in a social situation drinking 
I whiskey do, or booze or anything like that. Do not touch it. Yeah, mostly a beer my, guy. My, yep. thing, my thing with whiskey or, or any kind of like hard liquor, usually for me, if I'm going to have a drink somewhere, I'm going to stop off for a drink. Mm-hmm. I'll always go liquor, but if I'm going to be drinking more than, you know, two, if I'm say I go out and it's, you know, nine o'clock at night and I know I'm going to be out with everybody for a couple hours or something, I whiskey just whiskey goes, gets to you too fast now. So it's always, I just stick with a Saranac or UC or something. I would be a Scotch guy though. I think it would be, yeah. would be my preference. I've, yeah. I've of what I've had in, in situations I've, I've been in. Um, it's just a kind of casual, relaxed, you know, just chilling out, having Slow a cup. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that that's pretty much would be. See, I have, um, I come from a family that has like alcoholism in it. Yeah. So I have. You can tell. <laughs> so I have weird hangups on like alcohol in that way, right? That's always why it's very rare you'll ever see me out and about like just drunk and carousing because I'm very restrictive mm-hmm. about that kind of thing. No, not at the wedding. Uh, <laughs> Weddings are different. Uh, Weddings I must have drank six Dewar's White Labels that <laughs> night, but. Uh, but the point is, I always feel like liquor is a dangerous road. It's a slippery slope. It's for really sure. easy to fall off like the hard side of the waterfall if you're yeah. not paying attention. Yeah, that's true. So, um, that's enough booze talk. Uh, let's talk about Facebook for a minute. Uh, the evil, evil Facebook. Yes. You guys want to talk about Facebook for a minute? <laughs> yes. Because it's down again right now. Apparently, second outage for Facebook uh, since September twelfth. Dude, I, I go on Facebook so little unless it's something specifically like for something we're doing for Maiden Utica to get on and look at something or like a group chat or an event invitation or something to just go on and browse Facebook I, I don't think I would notice I didn't know it went down until you said that just now no there's been a lot of like death to Facebook articles I've noticed in the last couple of like months too like a lot of people like praising the downfall of Facebook and it's just interesting to me because we're in the process of talking about, like should we start a Uticast Facebook page because I certainly don't want to. I don't use mm. Facebook all that often, but it seems like a good business move, I guess. Well, I, th- I think that's that's probably Kevin would speak to this true too. Is when we first started Made in Utica, I I even have a blog post on the website if you want to dig through the archives, like why I am not using Facebook. Limited reach, the engagement's terrible, uh, the amount which you have to spend to get your business. There's just a lot of reasons. It's not very personal. You can get missed real easy. Um, and I was defiant for probably six to eight months of we are not doing Facebook. And yeah, I got yeah. overruled. Um, and it does serve a, a good purpose. We get a lot of engagement um, in terms of interesting topics. So if we're doing a petition about the Utica Club sign, Facebook is great. We get lots yeah. of shares and likes. And if, if it's relevant to Utica and, and, you know, we can get a message out to a specific set of people, it's been good. Me as a user, I mm-hmm. sports and music, that's all I post the on. One it. thing I do think has been really nice for us with doing Made in Utica on Facebook is for as much reach as we get with, you know, Twitter and Instagram and just the website, there is a huge and I think this is part of the reason Facebook is dying because so many people got on and it's easy to get drowned out and like everybody's like moms and aunts and grandmothers are on there. But there are a lot of people in the community that we are able to engage with that we wouldn't reach otherwise because at the end of the day, even if Twitter and Instagram and stuff are better social networks they still don't have the wide volume of users. You know what I mean? Well, a lot of my take on it too was, is that when we were starting our thing anyways, we were kind of trying to be a little bit out of the box with our approach. So I wanted people to invest in the fact that just you have to use Twitter. If you want to follow what we're doing, you have to use Instagram just for the overall thing is that the way we were generating our content with a hashtag 
it was very important to get people on those platforms to then go and showcase the city and, mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. I just defiantly didn't want to go that route because I wanted Utica as a whole to just kind of use something, like, just get a, get away from it, you know? It's yeah. just, it's whatever. Uh, well, you're the analytics guy, right? You know more about analytics than I do. I go sometimes, I post uh, on Facebook and Twitter mm-hmm. with the with the podcast generally. It does seem like Twitter, the the conversations on Twitter are just much more engaging. People get yeah. at you much more effectively on Twitter than they do on Facebook. And I think it depends on, you guys are very engaging on your Twitter yeah. page. So, I yeah. mean, that that is a, mm-hmm. a contingent on that. If, if you're someone who's on Facebook all the time, you probably would be pretty engaging yeah, because true. if you're writing back, but... Twitter allows that direct interaction um, with people directly, you know what I mean? And it, yeah. it doesn't open up the thing to a huge debate or, like, an opinion fest that just gets people going. And that's kind yeah. of the thing with us on Facebook is that we are way more likely to, to hot take an issue on yeah. something because you just give people, like, an open forum. Twitter, yeah. you get that. You're talking to someone directly, and, that, you know, it's just it's it's very limited yeah. and small, and you can't just... There's, rant, there's rant, a lot rant, more you know? trolls and people looking for problems on Facebook, and they can just post nonstop with all these, you know, paragraph after paragraph. But even, like, you know, we talk about, I think part of the reason the engagement is lower is because... If you jump on Facebook, and you know, even though out of the three of us, none of us use Facebook very often, but we all do still have our own personal Facebook profiles. And when you go on there and you scroll down your newsfeed, it's so clogged with junk from people that you barely even know at this point. Because every acquaintance who who you ever meet adds you on Facebook. It's so clogged with junk that it's harder to get a cognizant message across on Facebook. All right. I got no more Facebook in me. Yeah, Ready for over unders, guys? Yeah, is there over under time? All over right. unders. All right. Boom. First over under. Snapchat. Overrated or underrated? Highly overrated. I'm not even. I could go for days on how stupid Snapchat is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm done. Oh, oh, highly overrated, that's it. Highly overrated? Yeah. See, I feel it's like... A, it's a joke. I feel like Snapchat got a bad rap right off the initial for being just like a skeevy kind of pervy thing, right? Like right. That was the first thing I ever heard about Snapchat is it's very greasy. It's for nudes. It's right. for nudes and it's very greasy and like whatever. I actually have a lot of fun like digging around on Snapchat. I think they've done a pretty good job making it a little I used more to. I used to accessible. be... I used to be hard in the camp that Snapchat was overrated, and I got one. I didn't really know how to use it for a while, and I still – I don't utilize it much. Like people send me snaps, and I look at their stuff, but I don't post a lot. I don't really send a ton unless it's to, like, specifically maybe, like, my brother or my sister, people, you know, all the time. But I do think that it was not as bad as I originally thought it was, and it serves its purpose. I can see why it's a lot of fun for a lot of people, certainly, but – Yeah. It's, for me, it's like a Facebook thing, too, is on a on – a... A personal user level, I can I can see it having some value and stuff like that. But like, what are you guys gonna send me a Snapchat? Like, I'm like I'm sleeping on like there's nothing yeah. exciting that I'm missing yeah, yeah. that I'm getting in uh, 10, 15 cent segments. But from a brand building mm-hmm. thing, like let's what look a lot of social media stuff. Snapchat just doesn't. It's I have nothing and, as a brand sake that I've I can push. I've been seeing that a lot of brands moving into Snapchat. To, yeah. A lot of people, and I don't really understand. I mean, I don't understand how you even really utilize Snapchat to build a brand. I can't see the usefulness of the tool. Yep. I mean, I, I understand there's a lot of really young users on Snapchat. Like Snapchat is huge with the you know we'll say. 16 to like 23 or 24 crowd that's their bread and the butter the new sending crowd the generation z well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the generation z the new, type of, no. the new but, crowd but like either, no, either way though like these young people are on there and i can see that you know as an advertiser you want every shot you can get at that demographic 
But by the same token, I don't see how it's going to come through and work if you do it. All right, what's next for over-unders? I like that little ghost. Um, uh, so we got trashed on BuzzFeed a couple weeks ago, guys. Utica got killed on BuzzFeed. So overrated, underrated, BuzzFeed. <laughs> wow. Um, Desperately, crushingly, mind-numbingly overrated. It's complete garbage. It's content they steal from everywhere else. Just to get people to click because they like links and they like to pretend they're still seven years old in 1996 again. Overrated. And by the way, I saw that article where they were like, oh, it's the, what was that, uh, People of Utica? The People of Utica account is something that was started just so somebody can be like, ha ha, look at all these people I can make fun of to make them feel better about themselves. And it's just this junk. They always post. It's not positive. It does nothing good for the city. And it's a joke. You want to see something on Facebook that's like people of Utica but actually focuses on the positive things? Go look at Humans of Utica. Yeah. Humans of Utica is a very well-run page, much like Humans of New York, where they're taking interesting pictures of people and actually telling their story instead of, ha-ha, look at this person. They had to ride a child's bike somewhere because they can't afford a car, and I can, so look at them. Well, isn't BuzzFeed... I'm just I'm heated up. I'm heated up. I know, I know, I like I know. nothing, man. See, I, I view it as as a, I'll take I'll take Buzzfeed over Snapchat because it's a it's a different thing. But That's Buzzfeed, a, no. I think, but yeah, Buzzfeed serves a purpose. Like it, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like but, but you're kind see, of engaging in in. You're not trying to go there to get educated. Yeah, you're saying, being there to be entertained. But saying and, I'll take saying I'll take Buzzfeed over Snapchat is like saying I'll take. A slice of pizza over a lawn. No, I mean, it's not like it's not. You'd have to say, you'd have to say, I'll take HuffPo over BuzzFeed. Right? BuzzFeed does. I mean, from overrated, underrated. I think Snapchat's more overrated than BuzzFeed is. To be, to be, to be, I think you're off base on this one. Hard. No, yeah. To, to be. Well, I'm sorry. I'm talking to two bloggers here. That I forget <laughs> the usefulness of clickbait to, and easy to read articles. Well, when you're posting on a regularly consistent basis. To be fair, though, that's why your articles are loaded with clickbait. Even though, even though I think BuzzFeed is mindless crap that steals. Content and repackages it just to hit people's nostalgia and get those clicks for advertising. I can't deny they do a great job. They get tons of traffic. They're making tons of money. What they're doing is working. I just don't like it. Yeah. I think it's empty garbage content. It's the same thing like going and getting a meal at McDonald's. It's empty calories for people who don't want to try it. Is it not Facebook, though? It's when you're sitting at work and bored out of your mind, supposed to be doing work, and you're just kind of clicking through stuff to occupy time. You know, it kind of serves its purpose. There's a lot of better places I can go do that than BuzzFeed. True. Uh, Moving on. Overrated, underrated, cursive writing. I, I'm glad you brought this. <laughs> I I'm it. interested. I just saw this smile. I saw your eyes let the smile come over. I'm happy to see you. where you going, Parkinson. I can't even write in cursive anymore. Like, no? I know. I I I uh, um, I want to say very much overrated. It, it's done so. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't get its purpose. I, I don't understand why we have to write in cursive. cursive I'll, I'll tell you exactly why. And this is why cursive is underrated because people always talk about it like, "What do you need it for? You don't need to know how to write in cursive. It's not important." And it was considered a formal way of writing back in the time. But the reason that kids learn cursive when they're young, and the reason that kids will always learn cursive when they're young, regardless of if we ever write with hand tools ever again, the reason that you teach kids cursive at a young age is because it teaches them the fine motor skills repeating and doing those things over and over it teaches fine motor skills in the hands and the fingers that help them move forward with their development and that's one of the things i read an article about it that was talking about that and i used to be like cursive that's garbage no reason why i was the exact same when i read that i'm like oh that makes a ton of sense actually so it's underrated in that respect but as like a useful day-to-day written communication i don't write in cursive if i I could have just one second to tell you about my cursive stories i went to the bank to sign up a made in utica business account 
my signature on my driver's license versus what I was filling out on the forms. Like, they actually said, like, can you sign this one more time, like, with how you write nowadays? And I didn't have an answer for him. It's like, I don't know what my name's going to look like when I come in here because I'm losing that skill probably by the minute. And I <laughs> also, But I also don't care enough. It's literally just a big scribble of a... What about you, Sam? Overrated and underrated. Cursive writing. Uh, I just wrote a bunch of stuff in cursive. Yeah. It all looks very pretty. I can't even But read it. I can't read any of it. So, um... Uh, underrated. I like it. I think it looks real nice. Okay. It's got a nice aesthetic there, look there is, to there it. There's something nice to said. Very, like you look at like some old documents. Yeah, it looks good. It's a beautiful script. I mean, it's it's nice. At this point, when my kids are in the I want them to be able to text right. with one hand, not writing cursive. All right. And let's, I got to get, <laughs> and read BuzzFeed. Great. Uh, <laughs> let's get, this is the last one. This is a, uh, a reader or a listener sent this in, uh, at Kate Miller CNY. The best. Yeah. Overrated, underrated, the circus. Wow. Mm. Uh, I know, right? I know. I'm going to take the lead on this one. I think the circus is a creepy den of, of <laughs> losers and uncomfortable, like, smelly, uncomfortable animals that are caged up that don't want to be there and people wearing grease paint. It's not – there's nothing about the circus that necessarily appeals to me. I don't particularly like the trapeze. You know why? Because I don't really care. You know, I just don't care. Like, that's a nice flip that you can do. I like your flip. I, you know what? Like, this doesn't do it for me, I though. can YouTube, like, a way cooler flip. You know what I, I mean? Like, <laughs> no, I don't have to go see it anymore. Like, I, can't, I can't think of a single reason to... And I remember when I saw this question, I remember I was going to defend the circus. And the more I really think about it, though, I can't think of any reason besides, like, nostalgia for times gone by. Mm. I used to like going... I loved going to the circus when I was a kid. But then I found out they were beating the elephants. Oh, the clowns yeah, are horrifying man. people. Like... I, you find out all Party this stuff. Folk. It's you know what it probably is just like anything else with a lot of this stuff. You get to a certain age, you know, you're in your late twenties, almost thirty. You have no kids. Yeah. Uh, you you look at a lot of stuff like this. You're like ah, whatever. If I had kids, if I had kids, maybe I'd like it. Maybe if they enjoyed it, it'd probably be a fun place to like take my kids. I guess. But for me personally, I, I don't need to ever see a circus again. Yeah. Well, what what you will learn a few things about Justin in this particular segment. I'm five foot four, 110 pounds, soaking wet. I don't drink liquor. Love BuzzFeed. And I hate caging and containment of animals. It's, that is uh, true. That's something so. That's uh, yeah. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm a little bit weird in that standpoint. So I think kind of parading that around right. um, is a little bit. It's not the natural habitat, and it's not even like a, a recreated habitat. I don't need to go sense. to the circus. I go to Maiden Utica staff meetings. That's enough for a circus <laughs> yeah. for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut you off before we go on a Kyle Brofalowski style rant here because we've run <laughs> out of time, folks. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Aaron will be back next week. Thanks, Parkinson. No Thanks problem. Coming in anytime. Thanks. George Carp again from Adorant Distilling as well. Great guy. Check out his booze. Great guy. Booze.